again, and it bears repeating a million times because it's often skipped. To make a positive impact on an organization, you must have built a great culture among the people at work first. Once the positive culture is established, the work group as a whole will display readiness for excellence in implementing systems and processes for results, collaboration, and innovation. on the rocks podcast where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives i'm your host bethany reese and in today's episode we're going to continue learning how to truly make a positive difference in the world by learning about the five domains of impact and working specifically through the last three domains culture organization and community Welcome back for part two of learning about how we can make an impact by leading through the five domains of impact to grow our influence for positive change. Because you know, as leaders, that it is at the heart of what we're called to do, make a positive impact on the world. As leaders, we exist to serve a greater purpose beyond ourselves. But (laughs) where we lose our way is knowing the how. Just because we want to make a positive difference doesn't mean that we have all the answers nor the power of a mythical genie to go poof and everything falls into place. There is no magic behind impact, but there is self-awareness and intentionality in how we lead ourselves and others. Oh yes, there's also great responsibility. As the wise Uncle Ben said in the 2002 Spider-Man movie, remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Don't you just love good movie lines like that? (laughs) All right, so back to business. The how. How do we make a positive impact is found in the five domains of impact. And just a reminder, they are the self, relationships, culture, organization, and community. Our goal for learning about and applying the concepts within the five domains of impact is to not only establish great leadership of ourselves and positive connections within our relationships, but then to cascade our positive influence into larger pools of people, cultures, organizations, and communities. Again, I want to remind you that while the domains of impact are not created equal in their projected influence, they are definitely linked so that one cascades into the next. And that as leaders influence moves between each domain, it's going to scale or be extended in its audience size. I also want to remind you that our influence in each domain will determine the greater level of impact we have and that our impact as a leader can also be positive or negative. And oh, how we hope it's positive, right? In part one of this two-part podcast series, or more specifically, episode 13, we learned about the first two domains, self and relationships. Now, before we move on to our last three domains of impact, it's very important that we recap what we learned about the self and relationships, because again, they are the momentum carriers of our influence into the final three domains. So the first domain of impact was the self, and it is often the hardest one because it requires the most work (laughs) and it's hard to work on ourselves. In our fountain of influence for positive impact, the self is the perpetual pump that keeps our fountain of influence and leadership flowing. Again, if you've ever seen a fountain, you know that the pump is what makes it work. 
To make positive impact on yourself, you need to do three things. First, develop a strong foundation in your identity and purpose. Or in other words, know who you are, what you believe, and what your life's purpose is. This is gonna be your anchor for everything you do and everything about yourself. Second, be intentional in growing your emotional intelligence or the ability to identify and manage your emotions. Growing in your emotional intelligence means that you have the self-awareness and self-regulation. Having a high emotional intelligence is honestly like having your own personal pause button so you can respond instead of react. And third about the self, and maybe something you should tell yourself almost every day, is don't be self-focused, be humble. Know that it is not about you, but about serving others. So in summary of the self, the reality and how of making a positive impact is that step one must always start with the self. You gotta look in the mirror first. And the ultimate goal in the self-domain is to know the self, to grow the self, but not to focus on the self. All right, let's recap domain number two. The second domain of impact that we covered in episode 13 was relationship or how we connect with one another. We need deep, meaningful relationships with others to mentally survive, just like we need our bodies to physically survive. And just like our bodies, our relationships can become healthier when we are more conscious of what we put into them. Without positive relationships, there is no way you can make a positive impact on culture, organization, or community. Because guess what cultures, organizations, and communities are made of? People and relationships with people. So while there are a ton of different ways you can build better relationships with others, I'm going to remind you of the two intentional actions that's going to help you get started. The first is always lean in and turn towards. When people make bids for connection, they're seeking attention, affirmation, affection, or any other positive connection. Acknowledge their bid for connection and turn towards. Do not turn away or against. So in other words, make time for connections with people. Second, learn how to resolve conflict. To make a positive impact on relationships, you have got to know how to navigate those turbulent waters of conflict between yourself and others and the conflict between people to people. Don't tell yourself stories to fill in the gaps of missing information. And don't make yourself the victim or the victor. (laughs) Remember, you can go to episode 10 to learn more about conflict resolution skills using the uh, rock and roll ACDC method. Okay, now that we have a solid understanding of how to grow ourselves and build better relationships, let's now turn and continue to how to have knowledge of and take positive action within the other three domains right? Because the other three domains are going to help us create that compelling force and powerful influence that is going to become a never-ending cascade fountain of impact through our cultures, our organizations, and our communities. Have you ever heard the Peter Drucker quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast? The intent behind this quote is that you can come up with the absolute best strategy on how to move forward on what you should be doing, but the culture in which that strategy is embedded will either promote or destroy that strategy. So what is culture anyway? Culture is the collective behaviors, common language, stories, traditions, and celebrations within your group of people. In other words, a culture represents the shared set of beliefs, values and behaviors from a larger group of individual people and their relationships to each other 
and the group as a whole. And honestly, there's different types of cultures. You could have family cultures, friend cultures, business cultures, ethnic cultures. And let's not forget one of the most talked about pop culture. You could even have several layers of culture within a group, for example. Like at a school, you may have student culture, teacher culture, and parent culture. And within a business, you can have that individual contributor, the manager culture, or the executive leadership culture. But they ultimately make up one culture that reflects the group as an institution or organization as a whole. If you want to have a positive impact on the culture in which you are embedded, there's really two things that you need to do. First, you need to clearly define the culture. And second, hold the line of accountability and what represents that culture. The first thing I think about whenever I think about culture is what author and marketing guru Seth Godin always says. And I love this quote. People like us do things like this. Culture is about establishing norms of who we are, what we believe, what we value, and how we behave, what common language we use, and what traditions and stories we tell ourselves. The sad truth is that often families and businesses are not intentional in developing, fostering, and protecting the type of culture they want within their organization. To build and have impact on a culture, you must teach and model what it is the culture represents. And again, like Seth Coden says, how people like us do things like this or how we do things here. Well, I'm sure there's many ways to grow positive culture. I'm going to give you three that are very intentional so that you can grow a positive impact on your culture in any group, institution, or organization in which you belong. And the three ways are define the line, coach on the line, and defend the line. <laughs> and yes, these cultural lines align with a great football metaphor. First, define the line. Football is a sport defined by its rules, its contact, and its objective to get the ball from one end of the field to the other to score a touchdown or a field goal. But football is way more than just the guys on the field. It's also about developing a culture that expands to its millions of fans. Football teams and their fans have developed cultures that run deep <laughs> with identities for who they are and norms for the way they do things around here. So think about it for a second. Whether it's a football team or another sports team, all athletic teams are very intentional in growing a defined culture and indoctrinating new players and fans into it. First, they define the team with symbols that carry a particular meaning within their culture. They develop common language through the words they say and the chants they sing in the stadiums to remind them of the excellence they want to produce. They develop rituals, routines, and ceremonies in which they partake to give positive feedback in order to continue celebrating good plays and growing excellence. And they develop stories to share of past and present excellence to serve as a reminder of who they are and what they're about. If there's any Bears fans out there, think about the stories we tell about the 80s football team that won the Super Bowl. I actually own the record. Well, let me, let me be truthful. My husband owns the record of the Super Bowl shuffle. Ah, sports culture, right? You gotta love it. And it's an amazing example for us leaders. Unfortunately, and too often, again, in our family and our business cultures, we are not intentional about growing a great culture. Unlike our beloved sports teams, we don't define our family or our work or our teams at work with symbols to carry particular meaning about who we are and what we do. We don't define common language for how we produce excellence within our work. 
We don't develop rituals, routines, and ceremonies in which we partake to give positive feedback in order to celebrate the good and grow excellence. And we tend to not develop stories to share about past and present excellence to serve as a reminder of who we are and what we're about. Instead, in our work, we give you a job description, welcome you aboard, show you where the bathroom and the printer is, and then put you at a computer to start doing your job. Rarely do we bring you in and define for you who we are as a business, what we believe about our product or service, what we value in our work, and how we go about producing excellence and how we celebrate wins. If you wanna make a positive impact on culture or groups of people that you lead, then you need to clearly define the line. Define the line of who we are as a group, what we believe, what we value, and how we behave. Then you're gonna develop systems and processes for how we do things here. Develop that common language, traditions, rules of working, and how we interact with each other. And then onboard others into the culture. So a perfect example of this is Chick-fil-A. You ever heard anybody at Chick-fil-A say you're welcome? No, they say it's my pleasure. They have such a strong culture at Chick-fil-A on how they engage and interact with the guests. That's awesome and that's what we want. So define the line. Okay, second, once you define the line, you have to coach on the line. In football, there's a line of scrimmage, which is an imaginary line that is clearly defined by where the football's laid on the field. Or for us watching TV, we get the the little computer-generated line, which is very helpful. But every football player on both teams knows where the line is. Because if they cross the line before the snap, they're gonna receive a penalty. One of the quickest ways to kill the joy in watching football is to have a team that doesn't play to the line of scrimmage and they cause a bunch of penalties. Penalties kill the momentum in the game. So as a leader, not only do we need to clearly define the line of our culture, but we need to constantly coach people about the culture and the line so that the momentum of who we are and what we do isn't slowed down or even stopped because of the cultural penalties or negativity occurring. And I truly believe that most people really want to do well at their job, but they aren't given the right support to know how to do their job. So in this case of culture, coach the skill of how to display the cultural norms for, again, people like us do things like this. Thank you, Seth Godin, for that phrase. Ask any coach the best method for coaching, and they're going to tell you that it's modeling the appropriate behavior or action. The best coaches model the appropriate behavioral action so their players can see it, experience it, and practice it. So leaders, be sure you not only define the line, but you coach the line by modeling everything you expect to be a representation of your group culture. If you expect a culture of excellence, then you better model excellence yourself. Take what you know about relationships and lean into people. Model building positive relationships with others and working to resolve conflict. Spend time with those you lead and provide positive reinforcements for others modeling the cultural behaviors you expect. I love what Brene Brown says in her book, Dare to Lead. There's so many quotes from that book, but this is one of my favorites that applies to this. Quote, leaders must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to the fears and feelings or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. If you don't invest in the relationships and leading your people and get to understand their fears and their feelings and addressing them on the front end and coaching them through it, you're gonna spend all of your time managing their ineffective and unproductive behavior 
that's going to kill your culture. All right, so we define the line, we're coaching on the line, third part of culture, defend the line. Have you ever heard the phrase, offense wins games and defense wins championships? Just like in football, the offensive line needs to hold the line so the opposing team doesn't set back or destroy your forward momentum. So even though those big guys are on the offensive side, they're really on defense. They are stopping anything from crossing that line and destroying their forward momentum. As a leader, you need to defend the line of culture that you're trying to build so that nothing comes in to tackle your forward momentum. So what does defending the line look like in a work culture? Honestly, it looks like accountability. For those that are resisting the identified line of values and norms for people like us do things like this, you need to be willing to step in and have the hard conversation to explain the gap of that person's behavior and how it doesn't align with the cultural norms of the business or home. If you choose to let things slide or you sweep things under the rug because you're not willing to deal with them, then you are completely undermining your leadership and the culture you're trying to build in the first place. When you don't hold people accountable, it deflates the sense of urgency for others to follow the norms and it causes extreme stress on those who already have buy-in to the culture and are working very hard to accomplish those expectations. So defend the line with accountability. I love what John Gordon says in his book, The Energy Bus, about energy vampires. If you let negative energy stay, then it's going to suck away all the life out of your culture. You have to get rid of those energy vampires. So accountability can usually take place in two ways. First, provide feedback to the person that broke the line of cultural norms and Typically, they're going to take ownership of their actions and they're going to work to close the gap that caused that infraction in the first place. Most people are good and they want to know if they're doing something wrong or they need to make tweaks. So you do this by stepping in to explain the gap, by having that crucial conversation with them so that they can be restored to the cultural norms. Remember that a crucial conversation for accountability, though, has you as the leader doing a lot of the work of ownership to make sure that the expectation was clearly communicated and that you gave the employee a lot of support to be successful. Then there's a clear action path for restoration of and closing the gap in their behavior. Now second, and hopefully this rarely happens, you let the insubordinate employee go. When an employee resists following the cultural norms, this is where you need to step in and clearly state that the following cultural norms are not a request, but an expectation a directive, if you will. The employee then has a choice to get on board with a culture or they're free to go find another culture in which they would prefer to work. Now, if you find yourself in this situation with an inordinate employee, you've got to make sure, listen carefully, make sure you consult with your HR department for guidance on how to proceed. There will be company policies you're gonna need to follow in this situation. All right, let's recap the impact domain of culture. Culture is about establishing norms of who we are, what we believe, what we value, and how we behave. It's also about what common language we use and what traditions and stories we tell ourselves. And Seth Gordon summarizes it best when he says, people like us do things like this. If you want to make a positive impact in the culture of your group, then you need to do three things. Define the line, coach on the line, and defend the line. Define the line means to 
establish a clear identity of who the group is, what they value, and how they behave or interact with each other. Coaching the line means to always model what you expect of others and provide positive reinforcement for those displaying the cultural behaviors expected. And finally, defend the line. That means you're holding people accountable to the expectations of your cultural norms. So if great individuals build great relationships with others and those great relationships turn into great cultures, then those great cultures can cascade into great organizations. So if you've already built a positive culture, how do you take the next step to positively impact an organization? Michael Gerber, author of the book E-Myth Revisited, is known for saying that successful organizations run because they have efficient and effective systems. However, organizations must remember that they don't simply manage people, they lead people, who then must manage the system by which the organization achieves its objectives. So in other words, the system produces the results, but your people manage the system. Again, that's from Michael Gerber, who's the author of the book, E-Myth Revisited. Now, the people are the relationship and the culture domains of impact. The systems and the processes that produce the results, however, that is the organization domain of impact. And again, it bears repeating a million times because it's often skipped. To make a positive impact on an organization, you must have built a great culture among the people at work first. Once the positive culture is established, the work group as a whole will display readiness for excellence in implementing systems and processes for results, collaboration, and innovation. To positively impact an organization, there's really just two essential things that you need to devote yourself to as a leader. First, time to work on the business, not just in the business. And second, to create systems and processes that outlast the people currently in that role. And that includes your role as well. So first, let's take a deeper dive into the concept crafted by Michael Gerber that you need to work on the business, not just in the business. As leaders, we must shift our thinking to working on the business instead of always in the business. Yes, I'm saying that a bunch of times because I want you to hear it. Work on, not always in. We cannot be involved in every small detail of every program or project. So to build an organization of excellence, there needs to be time dedicated to designing systems and processes for how to produce results, no matter the person managing the system. When leaders get stuck in meetings all day or dealing with the minutiae of the day-to-day fires to be put out, they are not able to work on the business to design those proactive systems and processes needed to stop the fires from starting in the first place. Without working on the business to decide and clearly define what systems are needed to produce consistent results and what best practice processes should be within those systems to produce quality results, the business is always going to be left to the skill level and the whim of the individual contributor and employee. As Stephen Covey says in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the enemy of the best is often the good. Sure, you're going to have to deal with daily fires and crises that come up, but if that's all you have time for, you are not doing what is most essential in your business, and that's leading it forward. And my fellow leaders, working on the business means you're developing strategy, systems, processes, 
that are essential to lead your business forward. It is what's going to make the greatest impact on your organization in producing excellence and results. All right, again, big on common language. Let's define processes and systems. A process is the specific steps required to completing a desired task. So for example, at home, how to use the dishwasher to clean the dishes, or at work, how we submit our timesheets or receive our paychecks, that's a process. A system is a collection or set of things working together to create a framework for how we operate or do what we do. So for example, at home, cleaning the house is a system made up of the processes of using the dishwasher, mopping the floors, etc. But at work, you need a financial system with processes of how to get paid and how to pay your employees. Those are processes. So the problem is that often in our organizations, we hire employees to join the team to help us accomplish our main goal of whatever business we're in. But the organization itself isn't organized with clearly defined systems and processes for how to produce quality results consistently. Our systems aren't integrated. They don't work together. And that's bad leadership. So let's talk about an example. Now, because everyone listening to this podcast has been through some sort of education system in their life, we're going to use education as an example. The overall goal of a school is to educate children so that they become productive citizens and have the basic skill sets they need to work within the economy of the country. That's why schools exist. And we hire teachers to educate our children. However, schools need clearly defined systems and processes within each system in order to reach our goal of educating children. In a school organization, there's a system of safety on campus, and this can include processes for proper supervision, attendance, locked doors, badges, and checking in and checking out procedures. Other systems for schools include classroom management, or how we interact in the classroom, curriculum planning and design, or what we're actually going to teach, and then effective instruction, and that's how the students will actually engage in the learning. If these systems and processes underneath them are not clearly defined, trained on, and implemented with accountability, then when your child goes to school, (laughs) there's going to be no consistency in their education. Their learning experience will be left to the whim and skill set of each individual teacher they get over their 13 years in the school system. Now, I'm sure you could probably remember that one teacher you had that you learned nothing from, and Lord, I hope you didn't have more than one, but here's the deal. When you lead organizations, establishing clear systems and processes matter greatly. That's step one. But a very quick second step needs to be documentation. And why, you ask? Because if you don't document those systems and processes, then there won't be clarity in knowing them, and they'll never outlast the current people running them. Now, this causes huge problems when a linchpin employee leaves and what he or she actually did wasn't documented, and nobody has a clue how to fill in the gap. So if you want to make a positive impact on an organization beyond being a great leader that can build positive relationships and a positive culture, you need to establish systems and processes and document what they are. Again, to make an impact in an organization, you need to make sure that you're working on the business, not just in the business. And you need to build systems and processes that outlive you and the employees currently implementing them. And looking at the 
five domains of impact so far, we've covered how to grow ourselves as leaders, that's the self-domain, how to build positive relationships and work with others and work through conflict, that's the relationship domain. We've learned how to build a positive culture by clearly defining who we are and how we interact with others, that's the culture domain. And we've learned about how important it is to build systems and processes to ensure quality and consistency, that's the organization domain. At this point, you should be leading a thriving organization of people that are fulfilled in their positions and producing quality service and products. So what's the next domain of impact then? Honestly, the next domain of impact is to lead your organization to serve within the community in which it exists. A community is at its most simple of definitions, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. A community is larger than just one organization. It's actually made up of several. And all where organizations work together to support those common and local causes. Making a positive impact within the community requires the most generosity of your time, talents, and budget. It requires that the self, relationships, culture, and organization think and serve beyond itself. As a leader who's continuing to grow your impact, you need to recognize two things. First, you need to recognize that your organization is a smaller piece to a much bigger picture. And second, you need to recognize that your organization needs to come alongside other organizations to support common causes within your local community. At this point in your influence, you are prompting your organization to reach out and connect with other organizations in order to come together for those common causes. This is where you lead an organization to look beyond the results and the profits, but to also care about the community in which you live and serve. Think about as an organization what you promote and what you model in this area to serve the community. Do you allow your employees time off to volunteer at local organizations? Do you promote as well as attend local fundraisers and events for people within your community? Is your business name on the back of that t-ball jersey or on that high school fence at the baseball game? Are your teams of people working and participating in that 5K or that free children's event? Are you as a local leader joining various community groups in order to serve and give back to your community? If you really want to make a positive impact on the community, think about how you can go out and rally others to come and serve the community. How you can give, give your time, give your talent, give your money, give your leadership skill sets, how you can mentor. Be involved in your school systems. Be involved with special groups that have specific interests to help those in need. Support, give, and allow your business organization to also support your employees' time and talents to take off work to go do those things. That's how you make an impact in the community. walked through the last three domains of impact, culture, organization, and community. These three domains are what cascade, truly cascade your positive influence to a much larger scale. As we wrap up the concept of the five domains of impact, I want to remind you that the first step you must take as a leader is to grow yourself as a leader. And by listening to this podcast, you're doing just that. I know that we've covered a lot of deep leadership content in the past two weeks, so I want to remind you to look at the show notes. They give you a summary of what we talked about as well as all the steps for application. 
because you're probably driving listening to this anyway. So make sure you go back and check those show notes. Now go forth and build your life and leadership on the essential rocks. God bless. Hey, it's Bethany again. I wanted to let you know about an important announcement from the Leadership on the Rocks podcast. I absolutely love spending time and sharing leadership insights with you, but I also want to practice what I preach, if you will. As I'm leading my own leadership coaching business, I've decided to do what we talked about in today's podcast and schedule some precious time to work on my business instead of always in my business. So beginning with episode 15, I will be publishing the Leadership on the Rocks podcast every other week or two to three times a month. As loyal listeners, you'll be the first to find out all the wonderful tools and products that BR Essential Services is creating for you to support you in your leadership development. So stay tuned, and I'll see you in two weeks for a jam-packed episode on how to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives by building your life and leadership on the rocks. God bless. Remember, the most important rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace.